Pastor Lewis warned me how wonderful it is to worship and sing in this place with y'all and hear your voices. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, choir, for leading us in praise. So greetings to you, to all the saints here at Woodlawn Baptist Church from Clear Creek Baptist Bible College, where I serve in Pineville, Kentucky. That's the best college to prepare for pastoral ministry. Um, It's the best kept secret in Southern Baptist life, I would say. Uh, And also greetings from the saints and our uh, fellow church members, Nancy and I, at Swan Pond Baptist Church in Barberville, Kentucky. That's our new home church as we moved to Pineville six months ago or so. And many thanks to Pastor Lewis and Erica. We've had such joy getting to know them. I'm friends with Lewis for so many years and so many phone calls and and fun talks and and then meeting at at meetings, the SBC and ETS and things like that. And then on these trips with so many of you, uh, such fun to visit the the land and get to share what I know about the land and hopefully help you uh, have a little more insight when you see things, what's what, that sort of thing. But thanks again for the opportunity, brother, for uh, having us here to be able to share with y'all. You know, Solomon comments on Lewis in Ecclesiastes 7.28 when he writes, one upright, one upright man among a thousand have I found. And that's true of your pastor. I have found this. He's like a man of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12. He understands the times and has the wisdom to know what ought to be done. So I appreciate you, brother, and your leadership in so many ways. Well, the title of my sermon today is Where to Find Wisdom and Understanding. And the passage is from Job 28, verses 1 through 28. You may want to turn there. Um, But before we begin, I'd like to, to open in prayer, if you would. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege to come before your throne in worship today. Lord Jesus, we love you and we bless you. We're grateful for you and for your calling us to yourself, for saving us, for the future we have in heaven with you, for the, uh, the salvation we have today, the forgiveness the love that you have for us and the, and the privilege to walk and serve you in this life for the time we have and in eternity future. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ said of the Father, Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, 28. And as he's talking to his disciples, uh, when he says this, Why should you fear God the Father? Well, if you do not confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, eternal separation and judgment from God is waiting for you. It's waiting for all who deny Christ. But this is not God's desire for mankind. It's not his desire for you. He's calling you to wisdom and understanding. And we're going to see how these are connected to this salvation message in Christ. When I was a young boy, I would go out and play in the yard. We'd go out and play across the neighborhood. 
I was raised in Houston, Texas for a time for five years from about five to ten years old and then we lived in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh and the woods of Pennsylvania and would run and play and we would be out in the woods, in the, in the, uh, uh, the wilderness, out our backyard and beyond all day long. We didn't stay inside and watch TV. We were out and playing. And there would be a time at the end of the day and my, my father would yell, if he's got home, he'd yell out in the backyard, up, Eric, time to come home. Or my mom would do the same. And they'd be calling. Sometimes they'd even have to send my sister out after you know, trying to find, find me or my friends because we would be roving, roaming around. But I, when I heard that call, I knew it was time. And I knew there was something, even though I loved to be outside, loved to play with my friends, I knew there was something better at home when I heard that call. Food was coming, or we're going out to eat, or we're going to go somewhere, or something good. Uh, and of course, just dad being home was a blessing, and that was uh, enough to excite our whole household. Um, so my parents called. I was listening for that call. Well, you know, God is calling to mankind. And they don't often hear him. And in our passage in Job 28, at the very end, Job says, And he, speaking of God, And God said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. So he's this, giving this call. Um, you need to fear me. You need to turn away from evil. So he's calling us to him. I mentioned in the last hour about seeking wisdom as a young man. I would read Proverbs, and I would read it because I saw the benefits that Proverbs talked about, and read one, one chapter a day. I would read one chapter of Psalms, and sometimes I would be read one chapter, of, excuse me, one chapter of Proverbs and five chapters of Psalms, and in that way, in a month, you can go through Psalms and Proverbs. So sometimes I would do that, but I always reading Proverbs quite a bit, and And there's benefits that are expressed in, in the, the Proverbs and in these wisdom writings that if you're wise, if you listen and heed these, these words, there will be long life promised to you. Ecclesiastes 12, the first commandment with a promise does this for us. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So obedience, long life. Good health is promised to those who are wise. In Proverbs 3, it will be healing to your flesh. A good reputation is promised in Deuteronomy 4. That the nations will look and see that this is a wise and understanding people who follow God. You will increase in learning and knowledge. Students, don't you want to have that? Uh, Proverbs 1.5, increase in understanding. Not just hear it, but understand what the teacher is saying. Proverbs 1.6, clear guidance in decision-making. Who doesn't want to make good decisions? Wise actions, righteousness, justice, equity. These will be the blessing of those who are wise. Avoiding of evil deeds, which are judged by God. God's protection will come to the wise. His strength, his prosperity. The young then will learn. So adults, as you act wisely, young people see your actions and then are discipled by that and learn prudence, knowledge, and discretion from you. In Proverbs 1, um, Solomon is writing, um, 
and he takes the, the wisdom and, and puts uh, wisdom as a, uh, a person and an uh, and abstract, but this is, wisdom cries out, he says in 1 verse 20. And as he talks about wisdom, this is a common theme in wisdom to personify wisdom or personify foolishness. Wisdom cries out, how long will you hate knowledge? If you won't come to me, come to wisdom. You're hating knowledge. And so she is crying out, but this is what wisdom does. It's crying out to us. God's word is crying out to us, as we saw in Job 28, 28. Cries out to the simple, cries out to those of us who need wisdom, and all of us do. Well, God is crying out in, in, in other ways and with other statements as well. In the, in the book of Ezekiel, in the time of the exile, Ezekiel is, has been taken into exile, and uh, the Babylonians have, uh, are taking over Jerusalem and about to destroy the temple and this sort of thing. And Yahweh speaks, the Lord God speaks through uh, Ezekiel. And he, it, he says, and he shares his emotion, not that he doesn't know everything he's about to say, Everything, this call that he's about to give, I'm about to speak it. God knew, but he's sharing it because it tells us how he feels about them and he feels about us. As I live, declares the Lord Yahweh. He's, he's taking an oath by his own name. As I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? It's a similar call for us in wisdom and understanding. And we'll see how this is connected to faith in Christ. Well, Job in chapter 28, is, uh, which is the center of the book, uh, he's telling us where wisdom's found. And um, Job lives in a time, uh, a pastoral time, in the same time, of, about the time of Abraham, 2200 to 2000 BC. Um, Job is not Jewish, but he worships Yahweh God. His three friends, uh, Bildad, Zophar, and uh, Eliphaz, they, and, and then the fourth one, the young guy, Elihu, they all worship Yahweh. So all these men who aren't Jews, they know Yahweh God, they worship him, and they know something about how he lives and how he acts and how he interacts with people, but they've sort of got a wrong idea about that, and Job corrects this idea that the, the righteous are always blessed and the, the wicked are always cursed. In other words, Job's being oppressed and he's not wicked, so there's something different going on. So he's in the land of Uz, which is northeast um, Jordan, southwest Iraq, that's where Job's living. His friends live as far away as uh, Kuwait, Oman, and Edom. Uh, that's where they're living, and they're coming to visit him. He's a Yahweh worshiper again. He's wise man. He's a judge. He's blessed with all sorts of uh, goods and family, and he suffers, as you know. Everything's taken from him the tragedy of his suffering. And then, but in that first year when that, that occurs, he doesn't curse God, he doesn't, he's not offended by God, he's hurt, 
at the loss of his family and things. But he doesn't sin. So Satan challenges God again and accuses Job that he's, it's skin for skin. You know, you, you touch him and he'll, he'll curse you, God. So Satan uh, prompts God and God allows Satan to uh, oppress him with affliction. Boils all over his whole body. So when his friends come, he's sitting in the ashes. He's, he's so, so distraught and so in such pain. All he can do is sit in, in the ash pile and scrape his, his sores. And they're so astounded at his look, the way he looks, that he, they can't even speak for seven days to him. So this book, Job, talks about the response to suffering. And that, no, Job was a righteous man. He didn't sin in all that he did. And his friends thought he was a sinner because he was oppressed. And God writes their ideas about him. And Job has some wrong ideas about God in in that he's really frustrated with God. But God lets him know, look, I'm sovereign, not you. I'm God, not you. I can do what I want. And my, my, what I want for you, even though it's suffering, is better for you. You're learning something through this. This is not chastisement. It's not oppression. It's a refining fire a, to refine gold out of you. And so Job learns something, and he learns how to, how to respond to God, and he repents of that, and he learns so much. And, if, and my, some of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Job 38 to 42, when God's speaking and the glory of God and his power and creation. And, um, but this chapter, chapter 28, is about where to find wisdom. And Job's realizing in the center of the book, this is it. This is, this is how to find it. So Job 28, 28 again. And God said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And turning away from evil is understanding. So Job begins in 28, verse 1. Where can we find precious metals? And why is he doing this? He's going to be comparing precious things to wisdom. Surely, he says in verse 1, there's a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Things under the earth. There's places for these. I don't know. I live in Kentucky now. My dad was from Louisville, Kentucky. We would travel. And anytime we would uh, travel to see my grandparents, we would go in caves. So we'd take a family trip. If there was a cave nearby, we'd get to go over there and we'd go on a cave tour. So under the ground, in the darkness, you'd see crystals and things and uh, uh, stalagmites and stalactites and which one's which, I can't remember anymore. But uh, um, places under the ground where precious things are. He says, iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Precious metals and jewels are difficult to find, but not impossible. Mining in the darkness, in verse 3, man puts an end to darkness and searches out the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. And these mines are often out in the wilderness, far away. He opens up shafts in a valley away from where everyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. I've been to some of these mines. In Israel, there's a, a place called Timnah. It's south of the Dead Sea, almost to Eilat, uh, which is another finger of the Red Sea, but um, on that body of water. And uh, the Timnah mines were uh, opened in the time of 
Solomon, they mined copper there for the bronze of the temple. And when you go there, it's interesting because there's also, a, earlier on, there was a, the, the Egyptians were there and they had mined, there was a temple to an Egyptian god there, but there are these mines and you walk up and all of a sudden there's a hole in the ground and they dug down and then they dug sideways. They were following any, any uh, um, veins they could find of the copper ore. Or you, you walk up to a cliffside and you see they've, they've uh, uh, carved out these handholds and footholds and they climb up and, and about 20 feet up then they dug in. They found something and they dug in and they followed and they would dig shafts and, and side shafts and they weren't very big to crawl through. Um, out in the wilderness, you can't really see it, you don't really know it unless, unless uh, you know that it's there. And there's also uh, mines like that for sapphires. I know on the west side of the Sinai region, there's a, a, um, a mine at the place called Sarabat el Qadim, and it has a mine for sapphires of the same uh, type of thing where they dig shafts and, um, or, or they tunnel straight in, and, they, and so in, it was dated to the time of the Egyptians and a time of Israel in Egypt, about 1600 BC. And in this uh, uh, mine were probably some Hebrew slaves because someone wrote what's called in, in, in academics, proto-Sinaitic inscription using he- Hebrew hieroglyphics. They used the, excuse me, Egyptian hieroglyphics. They used, used that to, to represent the Hebrew language the West Semitic language, and they wrote to the lady. Another temple was there, and the to the lady meant uh, uh, the, the goddess of the temple. But it was written so interesting that that's perhaps the first earliest Hebrew, not really called Hebrew, they call it Proto-Sinaitic, but it's West Semitic, and it's probably the earliest written form of Hebrew that we know of, um, in these mines in the wilderness. So these things are out there. So he goes on in verse 4, mining, sha- mining in deep shafts, they hang in the air, far away from man- mankind, they swing to and fro. So in the darkness, in a shaft, hanging by a rope, uh, maybe 100 feet below the ground, with a lamp and a hammer and a, and a basket. I mean, imagine. Men go to great efforts to glean precious metals and precious jewels from the ground. Its stones, in verse 6, are the place of sapphires, and it has the dust of gold. No, no bird of prey knows it. It's hidden, because the birds can't see it. The falcon's eyes haven't seen it. The proud beasts have not walked over it. The lion has not passed over it. So it's hidden from creatures. And it's difficult work. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots, he cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eyes sees every precious thing, looking for those. That's what, that's what they're there for. And he dams up streams so that they do not trickle. So why do you dam up streams? So you can get at gold deposits, right? So we know about this. So and the ancients knew about all these things, seeking precious things. And the thing that is hidden, he brings out to light. They find them, and they're successful. So precious jewels and metals men know how to find. But what about wisdom? Again, Job 8, 28, that call. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. So what about wisdom and understanding? 
Well, in Hebrew, wisdom is the term chokmah, and uh, that won't mean anything to you, but chokmah is uh, uh, essentially defined uh, as the fear of God. We talked about it last, last, the last hour. God recognizes obedience as the fear of God, and he recognizes um, when people are obedient, like Abram's sacrifice of Isaac, or Moses keeping the law, or the honor of the elderly, or treating people well. These are evidences of, um, of wisdom, the fear of God. And he recognizes loyalty and faithfulness of service to him alone, and of honoring him, and obedience to him, and trusting him in times of darkness as the fear of God. So wisdom, when we read wisdom, you think fear of God. And when we read understanding, which is the term bina in Hebrew, which means understanding, but read that or think of that as to turn away from evil. So wisdom is the fear of God and what you know who God is and you know how to act. And then uh, understanding is you put the wisdom in action. You're doing something with it. It's not good enough to have knowledge. You have to have understanding. Understanding is to put it into practice. It doesn't do us any value. It doesn't do anyone any good if we don't act upon it. It's not a head knowledge. It's an, a foot knowledge. You're walking with what you know. So turning away is wisdom in action. Job says wisdom and understanding are almost impossible to find. These things, because man doesn't value it. He's not even, if, if he doesn't value it, he's not going to go out and look for it. In verse 13, man does not know its worth. And it too is not found in the land of the living. You can't find it because man doesn't know its location. So if you don't know where it is and you don't know how valuable it is, you're not going to go looking for it. But that's why we're talking about it today and you're going to be talking about it in Ecclesiastes, why God stresses it in these books. Job goes on in verse 14. This deep says it's not in me. The sea says it's not with me. Again, personification of these, these things. Job says, wisdom and understanding are incomparable. There's, no, there's nothing that is as valuable as these two things. It cannot be bought for gold or silver and cannot be weighed uh, for its price. There is no market out there that you can go to. There's not a corner store. There's no place to go where you can just physically purchase this. And it's incomparable. It can't be valued in the gold of Ophir, the best and purest gold of ancient, the ancient world. And it cannot be valued in the precious onyx or sapphires of that place either. Job says, wisdom and understanding, again, are priceless, but compared to gold and glass. Well, gold I understand, but why would, why would glass be priceless? In the ancient world, Glass was very pre uh, precious, and it was used to make glass beads, and those were then precious jewels, because glass was hard to make. They didn't know how to make it real well, and it, uh, you get the making of glass beads, and then you get the ma making of, of intricate glass beads with colors, which we have machines that can crank them out today in, you know, in the thousands. My wife makes, does uh, her, her hobby making those little uh, bead, um, um, bracelets, thank you. Why in the world? Is this word, a word goes away from you, right? 
But it was, these things were costly to them and of value to them. This is why, um, I guess, what, New York was sold for, New York City sold for 20, they always say $27 a beads or some number like that uh, for, um, by the Indians. Um, but it can't be exchanged for these things. Wisdom and understanding cannot be exchanged for jewels of fine gold, for precious metals that have been worked into earrings or bracelets or <laughs> necklaces. And the, and the ancient world has some significant pieces of, of uh, jewelry and artwork that are amazing when you think that they had to polish them with sand and grit and cloth. They had to do it all by hand. We don't, they didn't have power tools or the things that we do to buff and, and smooth. Um, and no mention, he says, don't even mention the, the cost of coral and crystal. Corals from under the sea and the jewelry they would make from that or crystals that are from under the ground. Um, or the, the price of wisdom is even greater than pearls, which you have to dive into the sea as well to gather and hope to find. Not even like it's, it's easy to find. Not all uh, shells have, uh, have the pearls in them. And even, he's going to the extreme, even the topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it. Now, Ethiopia, or the land of Cush um, in uh, Hebrew, is 2,450 miles from Israel. Long way, long travel. And they traveled these distances in the ancient world because there's trade in the ancient world. Um, I mean, the Chaldeans who came after Job and raided his, uh, his, uh, his goods and his, and his uh, households um, were from 500 miles away near Babylon. Um, and in the ancient world, you have trade between India and uh, in the Middle East and England in the Middle East for tin, um, lead uh, for tin, things like this. So they traveled a long way, but that was a, a real long way by sea and by land. But the topaz of Ethiopia was very precious, nothing to equal it, and even wisdom, wisdom and understanding can't match that, nor the gold of that place, which is even, again, more pure. So Job again... Uh, Job 28, again, verse 28. God says, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And turn, to turn away from evil is understanding. It's more precious than all of these things. More precious than all these valuable things. We, we can look at today at billionaires, right? That have so much money that their money makes money. And they don't have, they have wealth beyond our Fathom. We can't fathom it, right? These people are so wealthy. Doesn't make their lives any better. And he talks about, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon talks about this. They go through all sorts of the vanities that we shared in the last hour and that you'll be going through. But none of their wealth, none of their wealth is worth the wisdom and understanding that we have from God fear of the Lord, the turning away from evil, none of that. All the billionaires, all the billions that you could have has no value compared to it. So where then can we find this wisdom understanding? In verse 20, Job asks that question. So from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? 
Living men and creatures don't know. It's hidden from the eyes of the living. The birds of the air can't see it. They don't know. It's concealed from them. Even the afterlife. He says, Abaddon and death. Now, Abaddon is the pit. It is, so in, in, when we look at uh, uh, Jesus' parable about Lazarus and the rich man, you have um, Lazarus dying and going into Abraham's bosom, paradise. And then there's a chasm, and then on the other side of the chasm is the hell side of Hades. And, and apparently, the, or the understanding is below the hell side is the pit, Abaddon. Uh, or uh, in the Greek, Apollyon is the angel over that pit, and that's where the spirits in prison are, the, apparently the, the angels that have been imprisoned are in that pit. So they don't know uh, about it either. Abaddon and death say, again personified, we've heard a rumor of it with our ears, but that's all. But God knows the location of these. For, for, it's fortunate for us. In verse 23, God understands the way to it. And that's the word for Derek or road. So he understands the road to it and he knows its place. So if there's a road, there's a path we can follow to get there. It can be followed. If it's a, there's a place, that place can be found, can be discovered. And verse 24, for he looks to the ends of the earth. Talking about God here. God looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Well, how does he know its place? Well, he created it. How does he know its place? Because he's omniscient. He knows all. It's his. And what is he doing? He's sharing this and calling us to this place, to these things. Wisdom emanates from God's sovereignty and attributes and is always in alignment with God's will. It leads, again, from Proverbs 1, it leads to correct actions, righteousness, justice, equity, all of those things. And then Job talks about how God established the created order according to his will and wisdom and understanding, how wisdom and understanding align us with God's will. Verse 25 when he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the, and the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, to turn away from evil is understanding. There it is. He's laid it up for us. He's shown us the place. He's given us what it is and where to find it. Recall again Ezekiel's cry from God. As I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God's call and cry to the, the rebellious house of Israel is the same call and cry to the lost person today. Remember Jesus' call to fear God. 
Fear the Father because He will condemn unbelievers to an eternal separation from Christ in hell. It's not His desire. Look, our sin's going to be atoned for in one of two ways. Either it's atoned for by Christ's atonement on the cross, and it's not really atoned for, it's uh, by the other, but it's atoned for by Christ and His covering, or it's dealt with in the fires of an eternal hell. There's two ways that your sin's going to be dealt with, and He offers salvation. Deuteronomy 30, 19 the first mediator of, of, the, of a covenant with Israel, um, of the nation of Israel, God's people, Moses, writes to them in 3019, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life and your offspring may live. So where do you find wisdom and understanding? Wisdom, the fear of the Lord, and understanding, turning away, which is repentance and sin, are found in confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is wisdom. That is the fear of God. To accept him, to confess him, to repent and turn to him, that is understanding. Choose life. God's calling you to wisdom and understanding. He's calling you to Christ today. Won't you find wisdom and understanding in Christ? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your plan of salvation. Thank you so much for sending your son. Lord Jesus, thank you for your obedience to the Father, for your love for us to die on the cross for us to raise again that we might have a new life in you. Thank you that you offer us yourself. Oh, Lord, please lead us to be obedient. I pray for anyone here, Lord, that has not accepted you, that that you might touch their heart today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Where are you pursuing wisdom? God is reminding us that man is going to search for it. The problem for too many of us is that search for wisdom and knowledge and understanding is outside of God's revelation. Wisdom that you and I need for life. Deuteronomy that we spoke of is, is not found in the pleasures of this world. It's found in Christ. It's found in His Word. 
given us a path, a place for wisdom and cross. Would you thank God this morning that he's given us a path and place for wisdom through his word? Take a few moments as a believer in Christ this morning and confess to God those moments in which you've not sought wisdom from His Word. Would you make a new commitment today to be on God's path? God's word today? Would you ask God to grant you a, a desire to be a better student of the word? Would you commit this morning to the Lord that you're going to spend more time this week